So today, we continue on uh, with our sermon series that uh, Pastor Dave has been talking about. He's been talking about the Holy Spirit. We saw on that slide that the Holy Spirit came down, especially upon those disciples as they gathered together on that first uh, day of Pentecost, uh, way back in the first century. But we also know, and we're going to hear and keep hearing, that the Holy Spirit comes down upon us, each and every one of us, each and every day of our lives. So today, we're going to continue to talk about that Holy Spirit and got an image of the Spirit many times uh, shown as a dove. Uh, and that's obviously coming from uh, uh, the Jesus baptism when the, uh, when the Holy Spirit came down upon Jesus uh, and depicted as a dove and, and uh, came down and rested on his head. In uh, that particular time, uh, we have all three persons of the Trinity there, right? We have God the Son who's being baptized. We have the Holy Spirit who's coming down upon Jesus at that particular time in that form of a dove. And of course, then we have God the Father's voice coming from heaven saying, this is my son, listen to him. This is my son, I'm proud of him. So all three persons of the Holy Trinity. So today, as I mentioned, we're going to continue on uh, with that series of the Holy Spirit. And today we're going to talk about wisdom the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, the wisdom that comes from God. So I thought we'd start out as a, with a question. And that first, that question is, who out there considers themselves wise? Who out there considers themselves smart? Who out there thinks they have a lot of wisdom? Well, I had a couple hands up, a couple hands up, but you know, not too many hands go up, right? And why? Well, I think mostly because we're told to be humble, right? <laughs> we're, we're told to be humble, and here we are at church, here we are, you know, worshiping God. We don't, we don't want to make a spectacle out of ourselves, and we certainly don't want to necessarily say, yeah, we think we're pretty smart. But I do think that when we consider or we hear the word wisdom, we do think about being smart, Right? We think about being smart. We think about be, uh, having knowledge. Uh, I think, you know, uh, then another question I have for you today. Who is the smartest person you know? Who is the smartest person that you know? Think about that. Think about that maybe back in your, in your minds. Could it be a teacher that you had maybe in high school or maybe in college? You thought, you know, that person is pretty smart. That person is pretty wise. Or maybe it's someone that you've read about, maybe in uh, books or in uh, magazines or, or whatever. You know, maybe it's a scientist. Maybe it's an inventor. Maybe it's someone like that that you maybe look up to as being smart. Well, you know, it could be your mom. It could be your dad. It could be your grand, a grandparent or maybe some other member of your family. And then, when you think about wisdom, I think many of us think about wisdom, and we immediately turn our thoughts and our minds toward education. Toward education, toward, toward being trained, be, toward the learning that we have received. Well, a while back, I was looking and reading the newspaper. Yeah, I know 
there's still newspapers out there. There's still newspapers, and I still like to read them, even though I think when I read those newspapers, many times that news is old, but I still like to hold the paper. Maybe I'm pretty old-fashioned, but I like to hold it. Well, anyway, I was reading this article in the newspaper. Maybe some of you read it, too. It's about McHenry County College. And now McHenry County College was offering uh, the opportunity for high school students to take college courses to take college courses while they were still in high school. And, and it really, sometimes it would offer them to get college credit while they're still there. And if they really were diligent and they took a lot of these classes, it would take quite a few, they could even, as they got their high school diploma, they could also receive their associate's degree at the same time. Well, maybe some of you know someone that's participating in those programs because I think, according to that article, it's being offered to at quite a few high schools around the area. There are many programs out there. The students in this particular program, and this article said that they were able to, to graduate and maybe uh, get knowledge at an earlier age and also, uh, you know, bring down the cost of higher education. Sounds like a pretty good deal, right? Sounds like a pretty good thing to do. And yes, there are other programs out there, other in the area, and I'm, I'm sure many of our, uh, our children took advantage of those AP classes, advanced placement classes, uh, and other programs. And all these programs are great, right? They're great. They're really neat because they are great for gaining knowledge. They're great for gaining wisdom. But do you think that that is the type of knowledge and that's the type of wisdom that God is talking about? Do you think that's the type of knowledge and wisdom that we are focusing our attention on today, that the Apostle Paul put his attention on that kind of wisdom so do you think that that's what Paul was talking about? That Paul was talking about in his first letter to the Corinthians in chapter 1, beginning at, the verse six, at verse 16, where we read, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. Where is the wise man? Where is the scholar? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? And then Paul went on to talk about people, people of the first century. He said, Jews demand miraculous signs. I think we can read that. We remember reading that in the scriptures many places. And Greeks look for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles, but to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than man's strength. So we really think about it and we look at that, we can see that there's really no comparison. There's no comparison at all to God's wisdom and the wisdom of the world, that book-learning wisdom. So we ask the question, where does that kind of wisdom come from? Where can we gain that type of wisdom? And how do we get that type of wisdom? Well, that's where the Holy Spirit comes in. 
That's where the Holy Spirit comes in. The Holy Spirit that Pastor Dave's been talking about in the, these past few Sundays, he's had this past month or so, he's been talking about the Holy Spirit coming down upon his people. Well, we know that the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Holy Trinity. The third person of the Holy Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we know that the person of, of the Holy Spirit is a person, and we know that he is also God. Think about that. God, the Holy Spirit. Now, you know, if you think about the Holy Trinity, uh, it's not a really easy concept for us to grasp, is it? It's not really an easy concept for us to wrap our arms, arms around, for we know that we worship one God. We worship one God, but that one God is revealed to us in, as three persons. Three persons with one God. We have God the Father, God the Father who created us, and he created everything, the world and everything in it. And then we have God the Son. God the Son who saves us, saves us through the blood shed for us on that cross at Calvary for the forgiveness of our sins. And of course, then, we have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit of God. So what is the job of the Holy Spirit? Why do we need the Holy Spirit? Well, the Holy Spirit's job is to sanctify us. Sanctify us. Sanctification. And what does that mean? That means the Holy Spirit's job is to bring us to faith. Bring us to faith, to keep us in that faith, and to grow our faith each and every day as the, as the Holy Spirit does his work in us and with us so that we can keep that true faith all the days of our lives so that we can receive the gift of God. And that gift of God, of course, is eternal life eternal life in heaven with Jesus and all of those who have gone before us. In the Old Testament, Job, Job says this about the Holy Spirit in Job chapter 33, verse 4. The Holy Spirit has made me, the breath of the Almighty gives me life. The breath of the Almighty. Well, last Sunday... Pastor Dave gave us a lesson in, in Greek, right? Remember that? Remember he talked about the Holy Spirit and he talked about what the Greek word for spirit was and does anybody remember that? Anybody? I didn't hear it yet. Pneuma. I did hear it. Pneuma, not panuma, but pneuma. Pneuma. And pneuma means, uh, literally means air, wind, or breath. And think about that. Think about the breath, the air of the Holy Spirit coming down upon us, coming down upon each and every one of us. For the pneuma, the Spirit, breathes life into us. Breathes life into us just as he did giving life to Adam, the first man, Adam. Remember, God said he breathed life. So that was the Holy Spirit breathing life into that first man, Adam. And just as the Holy Spirit came down upon those apostles as they gathered together on that first 
Pentecost, when those, uh, those little flames were up on top of their heads, that was the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came. It says the, the, the house, the room they were with was filled with smoke and, it's, and it shook and the Holy Spirit came down and he gave them power. And remember the story, they were able to speak in all those different languages. They weren't speaking in tongues, they were speaking in languages, the languages of all those people. The Holy Spirit did that by giving life, by breathing life into those, into those disciples. Now, God's offer of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, wasn't just for the people of the Old Testament, wasn't just for the, the apostles, wasn't just for the people of the first century of the New Testament times. No, God's offer of his Spirit is for today. God's offer to send his Spirit down upon each and every one of us and breathe life into us, his life-giving air into us, so that we might come to faith, so that we might come to faith in God, so that we might have that salvation that God provides for us. It's only, friends, through the Holy Spirit, through the gift of that Spirit, for the Spirit brings us to life. Then Paul writes... In uh, chapter 2, chapter 2 of his first letter to the Corinthians, so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. He continues, We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age, or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we speak of God's secret wisdom, a wisdom that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. Then he said, however, as it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed it to us. How? By his spirit, by the spirit, the Holy Spirit of God. Now, this morning at, after Bible study, uh, I was asked a question, so did the Holy Spirit only come down on that New Testament people? No. If you look, read through the, through the Old Testament, you're going to see way back in the beginning of, of, of Genesis, the, whole, the Spirit was hovering over creation, over the void, it says in, in Genesis chapter 1. The Spirit was there. And many other times, I, I looked through that, through the Bible as, as I was preparing for the message, and I see the Spirit uh, mentioned many times, the Spirit of God came down upon this person, came down upon that person, came down upon the prophets, came down upon the minor prophets that we're studying in Bible study today. No, the Holy Spirit was and is and always has been and always will be. He's eternal. So we speak so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom but on God's power. And then he said, it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for us and given to us and revealed to us by the Spirit. Now I think it would be wrong for us to think that the Apostle Paul had no regard for wisdom or knowledge, earthly or worldly wisdom or knowledge. It's really just the opposite. No, Paul had, had high regard for wisdom, especially for God's wisdom. 
which is vastly different, vastly different than human wisdom and comes as a result of revelation, just as we said, revealed by the Holy Spirit, not philosophical speculation. The wisdom of God is foolishness to those who are perishing. In other words, those who don't know God, who have no knowledge of God, but to those to whom God has been revealed, it is the power of God. The power of God. The Greek philosopher Socrates once said, the only true wisdom is in knowing you know nothing. I think that's pretty true, isn't it? I think think especially the older we get, we realize that, you know, and then the more you learn, the more you study something, you realize, you know, that was just the tip of the iceberg. There is so much more that I don't know, so much more that I have to learn. It's true. It's the truth, especially when you're talking about worldly knowledge. But what about godly knowledge? Is that true, too, with godly knowledge? Now, Paul, he was writing these letters. We see them there to the Corinthians. He was writing to the people of Corinth. Corinth is, is not all that far distance from Athens in Greece. And these people were Grecian. They were Greeks. And for the most part, they thought of themselves as being pretty wise. They thought of themselves as being pretty uh, full of wisdom. They were Greeks, after all. And they spent most of their time in the Areopagus, is what they were, the center of the city, the Areopagus. And they were, they were there just kind of sharing ideas when you'd like to live in that type of utopia. That's all you had to do all day was just sit in there, stand in the, in the Areopagus and, and talk to one another and share your wisdom and share your ideas with one another. And now here comes this Paul character. This Paul character comes on the scene and he tells them the folly of their human wisdom and knowledge. He tells them about God's secret wisdom, a wisdom that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. And they want to know, how can we get this wisdom? How can we get this knowledge? How can we learn those things? Paul said, no man has heard, seen, or conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. And then he continued, but God has revealed it to you through us, through his spirit. Paul tells them that the wisdom and knowledge of God is revealed by God's spirit only to those who possess the spirit can accept it. On our own, all we can do is reject All we can do is reject the the offer of God's Spirit. We can reject that. We can turn it on. We can turn our backs on it. But it's only through the Spirit that we can accept what God offers to us for His plan of salvation for us and for the world. We talk about the Spirit. We talk about the, the triune God in the creeds of the church, right? When many times we use the Apostles' Creed here at church today, we're going to use the Nicene Creed. Notice that those creeds are all divided into three parts. They're into three articles, three sections, and those three articles or sections deal with the three persons of the Holy Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we've also been talking about Martin Luther, that monk back from the 1500s. We talk about him. We talk about the fact that he made an explanation to the third article of the Apostles' Creed. 
and where we read, and let's read that one together. I cannot, by my own reason or strength, believe in Jesus Christ, my Lord, or come to him. But the Holy Spirit has called me by the gospel, enlightened me with his gifts, and kept me in the true faith. So we can't, by our own reason or strength, believe in Jesus Christ or come to him. But the Holy Spirit has called us by the gospel, called us by the gospel, called us by his word, His word is revealed to us in holy scriptures. Yes, we cannot by our own reason or strength believe in Jesus Christ our Lord or come to him. And he's enlightened us with his gifts. What are his gifts? The gifts of scripture, the gifts of the Bible, the gifts of holy communion, of the sacraments. So how can we get this knowledge of God? Well, we just read it, right? Not on our own, only through the Holy Spirit. For the Spirit calls us to faith by his means of grace. The means of grace, again, are his scripture, the sacraments, holy communion, and baptism. Through the scripture, we read them, we study them, and we hear them as they're preached to us. Also through his gifts of the sacraments, holy baptism, and communion, In baptism, we believe and we teach that the Holy Spirit comes down upon us and takes up residence in our hearts. Well, most of us here probably have been baptized. We were baptized maybe just as a little tiny baby as our parents or our sponsors brought us to the baptismal font and and at that time we were made children of God. Maybe you were baptized as an adult. At that time, that Holy Spirit came down from heaven and took up residence, made his residence in our hearts. If you haven't been baptized, talk to Pastor Dave. Talk to someone in the staff here at church, and they'll be glad to take care of that for you. The Holy Spirit comes to us also in Holy Communion. Today we're going to commune. We're going to come to the altar of the Lord and receive the very body and blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, Certainly, as we ingest those, that body and that blood into our bodies, certainly the Holy Spirit comes to us. He comes to us and he gives us that faith and he strengthens that faith through those gifts, those whole gifts from the Holy Spirit. But he doesn't come to us just once. As I mentioned before, you know, you go through the whole Bible and there's mentions of the Holy Spirit coming down many, many times. And he comes down upon us too. It's not just as our baptism that he comes once and it's done. No, he comes to us every time that we read the Bible, every time we hear it preached, every time we uh, come to the, holy, the table of Holy Communion, the Holy Spirit comes down upon us and he sanctifies us. That is, he keeps us in that faith. And he strengthens that faith so that faith might grow into a living faith. The Holy Spirit came down many times on the people of the Bible. And friends, he comes down upon us every day in many different ways. And we say, come, Holy Spirit, fill us. Fill us with life. The Holy Spirit does come in many powerful ways. He comes to us with that true wisdom, not the wisdom of the world, but the wisdom of God, the wisdom of Christ Jesus and him crucified, crucified for you and for me. Well, Proverbs 
The Old Testament book of Proverbs 1, verse 7 reads, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. Now, to fear the Lord isn't to be afraid of him. No, to fear the Lord is to submit to him, to to lay yourselves out for him, to, to take over your life, to take possession of your life, to take possession of your soul so that you can come to him, submit to him, submit to the Holy Spirit. We can only do that through that Holy Spirit through the Spirit and gain true knowledge and gain true wisdom. Now, I'm certainly not saying that, that earthly wisdom isn't something that you should strive for. No, we should. We should read all we can. We should uh, learn all we can. But at the same time, don't neglect the wisdom of God, which is true wisdom, true knowledge. True wisdom isn't book learning about God. Now, I'm sure you all probably know someone out there who's very knowledgeable about God. They can tell you about God and, and, and all those things, of, you know, and then Jesus, how he, how he lived and died and whatnot. But do they really know him? Do they really have a relationship with him? No, it's only through the gift of the Holy Spirit that we can have that true wisdom a relationship with God. So we ask the Holy Spirit to come down upon us and create that faith, strengthen that faith so that we can build that relationship. Be filled. Be filled with God's Spirit as you go out and become more and more Christ-like every, each and every day. God's Spirit is the fire. It's the fire that ignites the body of Christ today, the body of Christ, which is God's church just as he did on that first day of Pentecost, just as he did in the Old Testament times. He does it today with you and me. Through the gift of the Holy Spirit, you can have life and have it to the full. Thanks be to God, the Holy Spirit, and to him be the glory. Amen.